Hey everyone, welcome back to uh, our podcast here over at the Institute of Indigenous Learning slash First Nation Center slash uh, we're here at Fanshawe College. Um, this is the We Are Indigenous podcast and today we have a, uh, a guest of ours. So this one is not me being solo like the last one. Um, we were able to get a guest today and uh, I think what we're, how we're going to kind of do it, which is great, is last, uh, probably a couple episodes ago, we introduced you guys to Natalie, who is our, our assistant manager here at the First Nation Center slash Institute of Indigenous Learning. Um, and today we're going to speak with a, uh, my colleague. Um, we've been working together. He's been at the center for a couple of years now, year two. Yeah, just ending up to year two. Yeah, ending up year two. Uh, but me and him previously worked together. Um, in this, you know, I was doing my recruitment capacity, but then Brian was coming doing workshops with me. Um, so that was probably another two seasons before that. And, uh, Brian worked at, um, career services. Um, so, well, uh, any more introductions? So today's guest is Brian Malott. He is our indigenous career consultant here at the Institute of Indigenous Learning slash the First Nation Center. Uh, hey everyone, give Brian, say hello, Brian. Oh, thanks for having me on, Dan. Uh, look forward to being part of the, you know, show. I guess. Awesome, cool. Um, so we're gonna go through a couple, que- few questions with you, Brian. So we want to get to know about you a little bit more. Um, so what I kind of said, you are the indigenous recruitment and community. Oh, sorry, you're no, that's my. No, that's I'll, your job. Yeah, sorry, I'm. That's Friday. Do you I'm, want me to do your job too? No. <laughs> I mean, might as well. All right, sorry. You're an indigenous career consultant. So what does that actually mean? What what is your role entail with that title? Like what is your responsibility? What is your focus? What are you trying to do to help students at the um, the center, our indigenous students here at Fanshawe College? Yeah, my my role like I kind of as Dan said work in the uh, First Nation Center. Um, yeah, kind of as a career consultant. So my role there is kind of like, I got a couple of responsibilities. One is kind of talking with students about what they want to do for a career. For me it's kind of I'm excited about helping people like figure out what they're passionate about and working on career wise. Like you spend a lot, so much time in your job. If you're not enjoying it, like it's something you should be kind of connecting with and enjoying. And so in that, yeah, I get to work with students, kind of figure out what career they want to do, what program fits for that. Also help with them kind of applying the jobs, talking to employers, just kind of connecting and figuring out what, what setting you want to do that way. Okay. Um, and what was your role previously? Like, so how long have you been here? So you've been at the center for two years. I Institute in Digital Learning, two years. Um, how long have you been here at Fanshawe? So I've been at Fanshawe. I started in April of 2012, so probably like eight years and a month or so, I guess. And, okay. Uh, before that, worked at a not-for-profit doing um, kind of helping uh, unemployed people look for work, too. So yep. I'm kind of in the field for like nine years or so in education and so what did you what what so how did you i guess like how did you get a job here really like what what were the steps to kind of you know you said you worked at a nonprofit before and all that but like so how what what made you leave the nonprofit to come fancha or was you know like was it kind of a more natural thing or were you kind of like i'm looking for up you know just kind of how, how did it happen? So how it initially happened was I was um, finishing up a school placement. I uh, was doing it at the London Employment Help Center and had done that for a couple of months, then was volunteering for a couple of months because I wanted to really kind of get into that uh, field of doing work. And then from there, I was going to kind of met some uh, met Darlene who saw me at a job fair and kind of hired me 
part time to start. And that's how I kind of started at Fanshawe, and then through there, you kind of bounced yeah. through a couple of different roles and stuff. So, what was your first role? Can you walk from like I want to know like what was your first role? What did it turn into? Or okay. so on and so forth. So, so what was the, kind of the first? So, role? my first role was I was a part time um, employment consultant. So, did that for probably about six months at the college, and um, from there took on some kind of. There's a resource and information officer that was uh, a vacancy because of a just a, was unfilled because somebody had changed jobs. So, I did that for a couple months and bounced back and forth between that and the part time thing. Then got hired full time as the full time resource and information officer, and that role was really just delivering job search workshops and um, helping people with resumes. And so I did that for two two years or so, and then became an employment consultant. So that's working more one on one with people, but also doing workshops and career assessments. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and at different at the community employment offices and stuff, and then. Yeah, there's a mat leave that I covered at Career Services, so I ended up covering that for a year and a half and kind of got to work. So all the time I was still working with people looking for work, but just kind of translating from yeah. that. And then when I was at Career Services, had the opportunity to kind of come into the uh, work with the First Nations Center and do the same work I've been doing, but kind of focus it more on helping students. And, yeah, so it's kind of a – And then how did we start working together? Like I know how we did, but like, uh, how was how were you asking on your end when you were at? The, so the on my end, um, my uh, manager at the time, Lisa, came and asked if they're we were doing this pro- program kind of called Find Your Future, um, which had some career assessments and was kind of a two day workshop. We were doing it with people looking to come to the college. So we, mm-hmm. um, I think you had heard about the program, or Lisa had suggested it. So. Yeah, I think it was. I think Guy, Guy and Lisa probably were talking about it in a meeting. And he asked me, he was like, "What do you think about this? Like, is this something that we could probably utilize?" I was like, "Oh yeah, for sure, we definitely could." So we, um, yeah, from there took the uh, the two day version of it, made, made it down to a one hour kind of presentation we could do to high school students, and kind of started that a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, I remember it was kind of in- interesting, kind of starting to work with you and like our, our first awkward car ride over yeah driving along and looking in your car and you had a little um detroit tigers um thing on your uh, mirror i guess and yeah so i led us into a baseball question i remember you weren't quite sure if i actually knew baseball so you asked me what my thoughts were on johnny mack and if he was a real ball player or just yeah. a toronto player i'm like he's just a toronto player he's not yeah yeah 100 percent. because like yeah it was a it was an interesting kind of well you know we're he's kind of like oh you're gonna work with this person and then it's like got to pick them up so i picked them up brian and we kind of were like okay and i was like well we're gonna have to figure out how to talk to each other because we're gonna have to present and so yeah we just kind of organically went from there like we went to i don't even know where we traveled to but it was like two years of kind of that recruitment season just going to schools um and i will say how are you how how did you feel about actually doing it at first like why did why was it you specifically that they asked to do it or they're just kind of like ah, well, no one wants to do this so let <laughs> like let brian do it which i'm glad they did because it worked out for the benefit for us but was it was there anything particular like why i think like part of it was i had helped design the the program but it came down to kind of i was interested in kind of working with first nation like the first nation center kind of um learn about it because yeah part of it i was trying to research my own background a bit and learn yeah. and 
it was just kind of a casual way. It was kind of fun and got me out of the office a couple of days a year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how have you seen – how has the growth been since – when we first went on the road till our last till our last season together or last fall together, like, are we still doing it the same way, or have we shifted and evolved in how we do? I think we've we've evolved a, a lot over the last couple of years. So it's more. Uh, I know last year we had kind of the uh, guiding circles teachings that we had learned into the model. So it's kind of got more interest and values that are kind of based off of uh, the indigenous career tool, but also just got more hands on. So we. And those challenge cards this year that were kind of useful for helping students kind of figure out which challenges they wanted to sort out in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other change I've seen is that the questions students are asking us now are more specific to the, the, the careers they're looking at. Like right? where yeah. our first year, they were just kind of asking, like we were giving away like free T-shirts if you answered a question. They were like, "Where's Fanshawe?" Or like, yeah. And now it was more very specific questions to like. What do I need? What courses do I need to take to get into this? Um, I think it was a nursing program that they asked about. Yep. So, I think over that last couple of years, as we've been doing it, the because some of these students we saw in grade ten, they're now kind of get, getting up into their kind of senior years. They're more engaged in that kind of career thing than they were. If that makes sense, like yeah, definitely no. Uh, I would say that too. So I've been kind of, I don't know how many seasons it's been either five or six now. But yeah, you you definitely see the change in how these young indigenous people view education and even how they ask questions, right? It's like what you said, like before it'd be like, Where's Fanshawe? What do you have? This or not even like what do you have, it's just a random question like Yeah, this you know, kind of like whatever questions and now they're very specific and I think that shows like the value and emphasis that education is starting to have in indigenous communities. Um, and I think it's young people really seeing the importance of like what educational opportunities can open up. Um, that being said, when we're bringing students in here to find their educational journey, um, what was kind of your educational journey? What was that? How did that look like for you? So for me, yeah, like I, I've had um, went to a lot of different schools and yeah. programs and stuff. But I started off, I went through a, I was going through like a, a youth leadership program, kind of being a youth leader is what I was looking to do and. Got about a couple of years into that and just kind of said, this this ain't me. Like, I just not feeling it. So kind of quit college the first time and wasn't like, well, that was cool. I spent my entire high school career looking at being, a, you know. Mm-hmm. So now what do I do? And so I kinda, well, it was kind of that moment, like, when it happened, was it like a, was it a crisis moment? It was kind that- of a crisis moment because, like, I didn't, at that point, didn't know which direction I was going. Like, I knew. Yeah. Where I was going wasn't the right path, so I needed to figure out what to, to, how to change it, what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I used like a, a career assessment tool, like the Myers Briggs indicator, to figure out like what kind of personality I had. And mm-hmm. In that list came a list of careers, and career consulting was one of them. And I was like, "Well, I, cool, I can get paid to give people like career advice. This sounds awesome. I didn't know yeah. this could be a job." So I. Um, looked up where I could take that education, found out Conestoga had that program. And um, the, one of the requirements to get in it was you had to have a previous education, which if I had talked to probably a career consultant, I probably could have skipped a few steps to my journey. But um, so I thought, well, if I need a previous education, might as well learn about human resources. So I'm going to give people advice on working in a career. Might as well learn how to, like, you know, the rules of hiring and firing and all that mm-hmm. jazz. So 
took a kind of a continuing ed was working full time and worked uh taking education part time got my hr done and then did my career development uh program how long was that career development program was it was it a grad cert it's a grad cert so it's only one year one year i spread it over two and a half cuz i was just working part two and a part time um so completed that and then that's when i got hired by fanshawe pretty much after that but after that, I took like a college teaching diploma that was like a one-year thing. So learned how to develop course cur- curriculum, deliver that, um, and then recently just kind of completed a bachelor of uh, general studies that I was taking through Athabasca. They let me transfer a lot of my stuff there, and just gave me that kind of bachelor degree, which was for me was kind of rewarding this December because that's where I started back in like the beginning of my education dropped out of my bachelor's degree. So to kind of come back in and finish a bachelor's degree was kind of yeah. cool. And how was that? Was it rough getting the last bit? Done? Oh, it was rough. It what was so rough about it. The problem was the courses were, I had to do like four general courses. So like I had one English and three, I guess science and yeah. they were all first year courses. So I was just finding it difficult to get engaged in things I wasn't interested in. Like I was literally just trying to get my bachelor's degree so I could check that box. So, mm-hmm. um, struggle a bit and then my last kind of couple of courses i found uh found an excel class that counted as a science so did that i found a course on sports psychology which is a science so knocked off my two sciences and then uh actually took a course on the atom bomb too that counted as my english so yeah so i found some courses that made it fun near the end but yeah yeah definitely a, and how how was it relief or accomplishment when you were done it was definitely accomplishment when I was yeah. done. Like it was, I think I walked out in the parking lot and just kind of jumped in there and yelled "woo" and yeah. like, yeah, it was kind of good to have that done. Yeah, awesome. And is there any other plans to further your education? Um, yeah, I was kind of looking at an executive coaching program I've got at the um, University of BC. I was talking to a couple of alumni from that last week or so just to find out how they liked the course, what did they learn from it, and so I'm probably gonna. Research is there people that. at Fancho that have that currently, or would you would you run into the people that were? I just um I emailed their program and okay. asked them like, hey, can I connect me with a couple of alumni because I want to yeah. find out like what's this program like because yeah. I don't want to drop money if it's not the mm-hmm. right fit or right time for me yeah. or whatnot. So so what is it? What does it entail? What did the alumni come back with you? So it came back with it's a lot of um practicing through the theory and. and so you learn through a lot of the practice of doing like coaching, right? So it's not a theory based, even though it's university, it's not really theory. It's more, you're going to put in 40 or 50 hours of executive coaching and you have to find a not for profit that you can do the not for uh, the coaching practice with while you're, um, as part of your, that's like 40% of your overall mark. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a short program. It's only six months, but it's really intense. So yeah. Yeah, and so what are you thinking now after talking to a few people? I think it's the right like because I wanted to get something that gives a skill. That was the thing. I didn't want to just go and get like a theory based thing. I want something that I could actually then turn and use with people. So yeah, I think it's the right fit. It's just a matter of figuring out how I could schedule that or whatnot. But yeah, um, uh, so we kind of talked about so when you were working, so you know you're at college now. I've been here about nine years. Um, what kind of jobs did you have growing up? Like, I guess, like, yeah, the one day I seen you, you shared this uh, photo and had all these pins of all the various roles uh, you had. My uh, name tag Your collection. name tag collection. Um, so when did you start working? 
So I started working probably. Well, yeah, I guess like what would be your first job? First job was uh, I worked at Godfather's. It was a pizza yeah. place at the time. And it was like four, grade eight, so 14, I think. Yeah. Um, Godfather pizza, by the way, if people and people are, that aren't aware of it, it is a staple of any small town in southwestern Ontario. It's no longer in Port Stanley. That's where I started. But yeah. one of the fun facts, when I met Dan, uh, there's a Godfather's in his hometown. So yeah. I, sometimes stop i do love godfather's pizza so shout out to godfather's pizza i doubt any one of them will ever see this but if in case they do like we like garlic strips yeah garlic strips i'm a big fan of your panzerottis also like they're they're delicious anyway sorry i digress all right so you worked at godfather pizza how old were you uh 14 so i worked there a couple yeah. of years um what what would you do at godfather pizza i'd kind of wash the dishes i'd dump the flour into the big mixing industrial mixer yeah. thing i guess chop up the ingredients um sometimes i was allowed any to go, fingertips cut off or uh, no i got all my fingertips yeah. i did burn um my first job i grabbed the hot pan and burned my fingerprints into that pan yeah. and that's i actually still have that pan i took it when i left because yeah. it was like my fingerprints are in this is mine now why would you grab a hot pan my job was to wash the pan so we'd kind of wash off the grease that came off yeah. so they'd we throw them in a box as they come off the oven and okay I'd reach in and grab it and just throw it in the the sink. But so, is there supposed to be a delay in between when you grab it and then yeah, like throw into the box? You're supposed to like, or at least reach down to the bottom of the box and grab the the pans that have been in there for a while. But I just are you not thinking, or you just kind of just yeah. or you're just kind of going through like got to clean, got to clean. And did you, cry, did you cry? Oh, I think I probably <laughs> swore and probably <laughs> threw the pan on the floor. But yeah, how did you, what happened? Did you get blistered up then? Really yeah, I bad? blistered up pretty bad, and then. Yeah, I was washing yeah. dishes and stuff, so I had to go put a glove on, so I wasn't... Oh, they didn't let you go home? No. Oh, interesting. So how long All right, So how long were you... Uh, did you have to come in your next shift, too, and everything? Yeah, I came in, like, a, I think I only worked on, like, Fridays or Saturdays, so yeah. I, just a week between them, so... Did it take a long time to heal up? Probably about a week or so. Oh, no, that's not bad. Okay, so you worked there for a couple of years. Um, what's next after that? Um, next to kind of can you remember any every job that you have? I probably could. If okay, I, well, we're gonna go through all of them right now then. So, um, in high school, I probably what I would do is actually go to Costco and buy those uh, twelve packs of chocolate bars. Okay, and I'd sell them out of my locker for a buck of chocolate bar. So, so contraband? You were selling contraband? Well, yeah. some people would say yeah, contraband or. Uh, was it affiliated with the school's no. uh, company? Well, no, it was, that's contraband. Then. <laughs> yeah, it was you're, out of my locker. You're was, a candy pusher. Yeah. Which is not that bad of a thing, but still. Contraband. Contraband. All right. Go um, on. Then kind of went off to college. and So in between, so while you're still working at Godfather, oh, well, you, yeah, were, yeah, you I, were hustling candy bars? Or was that after like your Godfather job was after ended? The, after the Godfather job, I was hustling candy bars. But also at the time, my mom was a Tupperware sales consultant. So oh, I, so, <laughs> okay. So, so I became a... Um, so, so, she, so she could become a manager. Mm-hmm. She had to have four consultants under her. So... <laughs> <laughs> okay go on so so i actually did sell tupperware throughout high school yeah. so i'm I, laughing because i've never heard this story okay go on Brian. Um, how old were you probably 16 17 <laughs> <laughs> you're a 16 year old selling tupperware yeah and, like were you successful at it yeah like i'd probably average like 100 bucks a month like uh, <laughs> who are you selling it to so i was selling it to my uh like the German teacher, the English teacher, um, a couple of the, the sta- staff at the, the high school I was at. Plus, then I was uh, selling to like the youth group I was at, selling to their parents and stuff. But I probably was making yeah like a hundred bucks. Does anyone so. ever talk bring it up to like, hey Brian, remember when you were selling me Tupperware? A couple like I don't see those people that many yeah. anymore. But 
All right, so let me. All right, so you worked at Godfather Pizza. Yeah. And also, kind of Godfather. Did you like? Did they let you end up making pizza eventually? Yeah, I did get to make pizza and stuff. Yeah. How long would it take to get to that? Probably took me six months to get six up. Six months, like, to... <laughs> like, well, you can't really wash a pan good because he burns himself. <laughs> Let's little wait a little longer. So, Godfather, he left there. He started hustling candy bars. Yeah. Then he started hustling <laughs> Tupperware. I, I've always said if you can sell yeah. something with a lifetime guarantee, that's yeah. what you're selling on a piece of plastic. So you started off at a establishment, then you then you got lost to the streets selling <laughs> candy bars, and then you got involved with a pyramid scheme called uh, Tupperware. Tupperware. <laughs> oh, oh, no, that's not the pyramid scheme. The pyramid scheme is if you've ever been to Tupperware meetings, it's like a – we almost used to just call it Tupperware church, like where they – have a little chant and they have a song before they start the thing and like you're all really oh my gosh yeah the do they even make tupperware anymore yeah they do it's it's now all online and stuff you can still have tupperware parties i think okay wow okay that's cool i never heard that before that's pretty interesting all right what happened how long were you slinging tupperware for um probably most of my high school (laughs) career so like when do you deliver the tupperware did you have to like come in and uh, you were like just drop them off and whatever and be like what the hell's brian doing no they, they everyone is like they're like oh brian selling tupperware selling tupperware <laughs> and um yeah i think i had a couple friends had all right what's the breakdown of like so you sell tupperware you had, what would you say like you had a hundred dollars in sales a month or maybe more what percent like what do you how do you make money off of it then i would think depending on the piece like you you make a couple bucks per item so if you're selling a 30 dollar item you're probably making Maybe three, four dollars on okay. that one. Sometimes they'd have like a promo during the month. So like, you know, if you sell the the rock and serves this month, you get um. What was your hottest item that you would sell? What was like the number one seller? Probably the rock and serves at the time because they were the ones that you could put in the microwave and you could also freeze them. So you could freeze like a chili yeah. and then throw it right in the microwave. And- All right. So to me, when you're selling Tupperware, it seems like it's a one time sale. Like, or did people consistently go like? Hey, I need some more Tupperware. Like, did you have repeat customers? Well, what you do is you'd have the um, the monthly flyer. So okay. you'd, you'd go hit your repeat customers and say, like, Hey, just so you know, this month we have this on sale as yeah. well. So if you need anything, or um, so usually. So people, do you still own Tupperware yourself? Oh, I yeah, I have like, my entire kitchen's full of Tupperware actually. Good quality. Yeah. I, so like right now, if something went wrong, could you contact Tupperware and you get a replacement? I, I still have a friend yet who I could probably get them to replace the yeah. like I've replaced their lids and yeah. stuff that are broken and yeah. Yo, shout out Tupperware! Like hook us up. <laughs> you got like a guy selling Tupperware at age sixteen. Um, what like have you been onto the Tupperware site lately? Uh, I did check it back in the fall when a friend of mine had thrown up on Facebook or something because yeah. I was looking for a. It's called a that's a bowl, but it's like a giant, yeah, a giant bowl that. That's wild. All right, so, hey, <laughs> so you sell top Tupperware and then you go to school. Yeah. What what kind of job did you, did you have when you first went to school? So when I first went to school, um, I know, there's a uh, cool story. I'm yeah. hoping he tells it. So, so I think what you're, but like, yeah. was there a job in between there? No, I, I yeah, I okay. just kind of done the chocolate bars and Tupperware right. throughout okay. high school, and then. Um, when I first got to school, I, um, me and my roommate, um, converted our kind of, we were in residence. We converted our uh, living space into a place that we call like res bar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, um, so the, the, so the best part was we were selling like, uh, Eggman. and you were like, you lived on a, cl- like a, a dry uh, campus too, well, right? It wasn't just a dry campus. You weren't allowed to, there was no TV, no dancing, no, like. We're talking like, it you, was, you, you, you've ever you, seen Footloose? Yeah, you went to the, 
You went yeah, to footless yeah. you, footloose you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Um, no singing, no dance. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we started selling English muffins and eggs for like a dollar a piece. Okay. Um, best part was at the time uh, I had a pager uh, when I was at college, so. You could <laughs> Yo, don't let Brian's looks fool you. This guy this is a grimy street dealer, man. He had a pager. All right, go on. <laughs> that college only had a campus of probably probably eight classrooms, so people would text the pager like what no, what classroom they were in and how many English muffins they'd want, and we'd, yeah. we'd run it up there, and there was a, a couple dollar delivery charge for on campus because we lived in residence, so yeah. We did that, and then we expanded and added a bunch more products to the stuff we were selling. So overall, like between me and my roommate, we were selling like expired pop, and we were selling. Um, we had different because uh, it was a dry campus. We had all these drinks that were like a you know like a virgin screwdriver, which is like just an orange juice or. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And um, how well, much? Like, so what was like? What would like? What would you guys be able to? Were you guys able to live off this? Yeah, like, like I, I think our monthly split. Like I think we were each getting like 150, 200 bucks. That's pretty good each. Money. So we were. And when was this? This was like what years? Two thousand two. That's, that's good money back then. So, yeah, it was kind of our first. Yeah. Yeah. I did that, and again, probably didn't you can never leave the contraband life, yay! Once you once you go into that life, yeah. you really that's what they call it a trap, man. You know, yeah. they call it trap life. Even that, this trap life. <laughs> All right, so. Is there any like more funny stories about the actual uh, sales? Like, didn't you say even like professors would get it from you, or no? So, so when we were buying the the pop, we were actually buying it off the college who had changed vending machines and weren't able to sell that pop anymore. So we okay, were, I'm just making sure it's not like a campus that says like <laughs> like no, no caffeine either. <laughs> no, 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 no. So we were um, yeah buying it off of them and selling it back to students and stuff, and so they were getting kind of paid out of that and yeah. We let a lot of the residence advisors run a, a tab too that we could, you know, <laughs> just because they wanted. Did to, you have a ledger? Did you guys have a ledger? There, there was a ledger. There, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and yeah, we may have at the end of the year. Uh, I sold the ledger to somebody to go collect the rest of what was owed to us. And yeah. A funny story. Remember, remember when mouse ball like computer mouses, you could take the ball out of the mouse and. Yep. Yeah. So the guy went and took a bunch of people's balls out of their mouse and left a sticky note saying they owed like three dollars and eighty cents to yeah, yeah. him for the res bar thing. Yeah. So yeah, he may have taken all. So, so all right. So the yeah. sandwiches, res bar. Um, what like? What was the profit margin on these uh, these sandwiches? So a sandwich would cost like twenty three cents. So we were making seventy seven. So cents. what would you put on a sandwich? Like break it down. So like a slice of craft cheese like okay. a, you know with yep. the packaging a full slice one full slice full an english slice. muffin we crack one egg put it in a, a tupperware bowl and microwave it in the uh <laughs> <laughs> of course it was a tupperware bowl all right go on so um, so this is like a specific tupperware cooker bowl too no, or no it was just a bowl that was just the same size as an english guy, muffin. you don't even frying eggs you were microwaving eggs yeah we, okay my roommate did argue about the fried egg thing, but it, it took too much time. I said for thirty seconds we could do the okay, yeah, microwaving yeah. of yeah. eggs. So. Yeah, that respect. Like that's how uh, what you call it used to be here too. They microwave eggs. Yeah, um, what was it olive oils? Olive oils. Yeah, it's still good. it's still good. They were good. All right, so craft single McMuffin or sorry English muffin, 
one egg. Microwave Tupper egg egg. And then what? That's it? Or is there meat? No, there's no meat. There is no meat, eh? No. So that's how you were able to keep the profit margins low? Yeah. And then we just. No one ever complained, but like. Where's the meat, or is it, were you guys allowed to have meat on this campus? No, we no, we were allowed to have meat on that campus. <laughs> the occasional time we'd have a special where we, if we found like like meat on sale, we'd buy it and then throw okay. it as a promo. But all right. And how long did this uh, lucrative uh, um, scheme last? It was one year, and then I left. Uh, one year, and you left. Okay. Do you know if they ever continued it? I know there is rules in the college handbook about not starting businesses on campus without permission. So yeah. probably not. They made the rules after we left. You. Ryan's living a dangerous life, getting rules, getting policies created, changed because he's hustling. All right, so he did that. He he left, and then what after that? I was working at um, Black's Photography after that, so I really enjoyed photography at the time, and um, they had a cool discount for you know buying yeah. camera equipment and stuff. And so, were you always into the photography? I was always into photography, probably since I was like seven or eight yeah. like always had like a point and shoot camera and yeah. action high school sold all my um my grandma had got me savings bonds and sold them all to buy my first slr so i had that in like grade nine or ten and um yeah so kind of had that all along and then yeah worked for blacks at <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> this guy his life is just <laughs> all over the place he's hustling candies and tupperware and he still got savings bonds <laughs> <laughs> that's cool all right so so when you got hired at blacks is that, as you said yeah. it's called blacks how did you get hired like did you, was, did you know someone there on the inside or was it kind of just like literally a just resume? dropped a resume but it was the yearbook editor at the college at okay. the time too so i could i had lots of experience and um my first day was like actually the remember that massive blackout that we had in like oh like yeah like the summer blackout yeah that was my first shift so okay so went, how what happened on like, after that i got there and they said well you you can you don't need to work today because okay, yeah. there's no power. There's yep. kind of a um, – but, yeah, I worked for Blacks for probably a year and a bit after that. Like, went and um, came back here to London and worked at a store there. And um, I shifted from there to – because the where I was living, it was just too far of a drive to London. So um, went and worked at Van Pelt's and did uh, – worked as a custom products division. What's Van Pelt's? So it's an office supply store. Okay. It's a family-run one that's in still in existence. Still in existence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I used to sell like uh, like paper products. You would sell paper products. Or I didn't like... sell paper products. I wasn't that well. I sold like custom <laughs> products. So <laughs> you weren't that good yet to sell no. the paper products. Okay. So what'd you sell? So like I'd sell like you know promotional pens or okay, um, yep. lanyards or anything that you wanted to get your name kind of put on like jackets or okay. stuff like that. So do company branding that way. Right. Um had a was offered the they were making those Livestrong bracelets and they asked if I, we wanted to be the canadian oh yeah yeah developer exclusive develop, develop like people for those and we so said, what do you mean by developer like you guys would we, be we'd like, be the one to be selling like being the first party seller to all the everyone else who was kind of wanting them putting wanting the bracelets and like the official ones the not official, like not like knockoffs not the knockoffs like the actual rubber bands that would have the company yeah. bracelets and, and what happened me and my boss had talked and said that nobody's going to buy elastic bands to wear as a bracelet. <laughs> and so we turned down that business. And, and then the Livestrong bracelets came out oh, man. probably five months after we had turned down the opportunity to, because they were coming from Europe. So, they, yeah, being the Canadian exclusive. Yeah, you guys are idiots. <laughs> 
Those were the hottest things. They would. Oh man, I remember buying them. Were, how much did you pay for them? Like five bucks or? A, yeah, you pay five bucks, and I think even the cost on them was only like pennies. It was like, ten yeah, cents. it was like fifty cents a, a bracelet. Was like yeah. the actual because it was silicone, right? Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, those were everywhere. Everyone had them. Yeah. Every company, every brand would have had. Yeah, because then, they, so then you would be a supplier of like, oh, we want our version yeah. of this. What did that guy say? Like, what did your boss, does he ever talk about it? Do you ever talk about it? Do you keep in contact with I don't him? keep in contact with him. Like, no? I left shortly after we. Do you think he regrets <laughs> that? <laughs> I think there was a, a moment where we probably could have made a little more money yeah, doing that. but He probably could be retired right now, hey? He is actually retired now, but he could But, like, very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. All right, so then what after that? Uh, then I started working at Shoppers Drug Mart, and... They, at the time, were hiring lots of former Blacks employees to run their photo labs, so I kind of yeah. took over that. Because <laughs> Blacks closed up? Because Blacks had closed up okay. at that point, or was in the process of closing. And yeah. um, So I think at one point, every manager in London was a former Blacks employee when I had started. Okay. So we always joked that it was just, yeah, we're all managers now. Like, yeah. All the, so, um, yeah, worked there. On the come up. On the coming up, the... <laughs> Yeah, we've been. I think I was at Shoppers for seven, eight years. Yeah. And Did you enjoy it? I really enjoyed it. Like, um, yeah. had a lot of flexibility. Like the man, my uh, owner at the time had a lot of trust in what we did and gave me a lot of free reign. So I was able to hire the staff I wanted and train them and develop them how I yeah um, wanted. We did a lot of cool things and activities and stuff. And I'm trying to think what what we did the. Is there any funny stories from your shoppers days in the photo lab? Um, what do you guys do? What do you guys do with the racy photos? What would happen if there was racy photos? We had like because it was all digital. You didn't really like unlike when I used to work in the film. Okay, you had to process everything individually. The the machine would just generally do them. We just cover them, whenever. cover them, put them away. Um, I was hoping for a better I, story, but it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, we didn't really do much. Unless it was like the first one or the last one, right? You wouldn't really see it. Yeah. Nah, okay. Fair enough. Oh, man. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so you worked there for years, and then while you were there, is that when you were going to school yeah, as well? Yeah, I was going to school there okay. as well. And um, yeah, like, so that was kind of a good, kind of good balance between school and work while I was doing that. Um, we did uh, a lot of cool. Yeah. All right. So from all these jobs. Oh, sorry. Uh, all these jobs you had the experience of from working at Godfather, hustling candies, hustling Tupperware, hustling <laughs> breakfast sandwiches and orange juice, sorry, virgin screwdrivers, to then Blacks, Van Pelts, yeah. Shoppers. Do they Have they all played a role in what you do now? I think so. Like I think the like a, a lot of what I do now is pretty... Like, I'm independent to do what we need to do to kind of grow the opportunities for students to kind of learn career, you know, careers that they're interested in and kind of connect yeah. to employers. So, I think a lot of that, like, ability to kind of connect and talk to people goes into what I do now. Like, where I'll call employers and just say, Hi, it's Brian from Fanshawe, right? Yeah. Or, Hi, it's Brian from, you know, the First Nation Center at Fanshawe. Yeah. It's the same strategy as like when you were selling, like, you're cold call, like I said, if you're cold calling and selling Tupperware, it's the same. Yeah. There's some techniques there. But I think having the independence also when I was building the photo lab, it's kind of equipped me to do what I'm building right now mm-hmm. in the center as well. So it's kind of – because I always built the, the photo lab in the mindset like 
I'm going to be building it for the next eight years, but I also am training my staff that like, if I left tomorrow, this thing doesn't fall apart. Like that. Yeah. I thought that would be a mark of if the photo lab completely folded when I left, that wouldn't be. So I think that's the same kind of mindset I'm putting into what Mm -hmm. we're building now is building the structure and processes that like, yeah, I'm hoping to be here for, you know, a while. Right. But I also don't want to just fold under if I, yeah. You know, won the lottery or something, or won the lottery again, I guess. But oh yeah, okay, we'll get to that near the end. Just yeah. so that's a pretty cool story. Um, and all right, so what is some um, advice you would have for Indigenous students to find employment? I think the advice I would have is this: looking for those opportunities, bef- like especially if you're. Yeah, while you're at the college, like, don't wait until April when you graduate to look for employment. Like, start connecting to employers early on. Like, and I, the other thing is, don't think, you, like, the job that you get is going to have to be the next 40 years. Like, I've had a lot of different jobs and stuff, but try things out. I, I think that's the – employers seem really eager to – interested to hire. Like, yeah, I would – I guess my thing would be trying to – trying to apply but also like don't be afraid to go after what you want too. like the i think there's there are job opportunities that can give you the cool opportunities for your family and for yourself that you just have to reach out and it might take a couple years of training or you might have to go through a job to get to another job like yeah um and it's kind of like every opportunity and every job is important because of the skills that you learn from it right because even all these kind of jobs are all kind of funny. I'm making fun of you a little bit, Belt, but, like, there's something to be learning, right? It's even in, like, the candy bars and, like, the, the Tupperware. It's, like, it's just showing the initiative to, like, just put yourself out there and try to find a way. Because it, it was probably, like, how, how awkward it would be when you were first trying to sell Tupperware, right? Yeah, like, it was. Like, a six-year-old <laughs> kid rolls up to your house or whatever. Like, or is that how, like, how would you, how, how, do, how, how does it work for selling? You'd usually use, like, the catalogs yeah. and stuff and say, like, hey, I don't yeah. know if you're having Tupperware consultant, yeah. but, like... Who's... Was your... Were you your mom's... Your number one... Were you your mom's number one salesperson? I can't no? remember. I, I probably... Who were the other not. three? I can't remember. They, but the th- <laughs> trick was if you could ever... Is the, like, if you could sell enough money, that Tupperware would actually pay for you to have a van. Oh, That's yeah. what my mom's goal was. So if you had, like, six people working, for, like, kind of yeah, yeah. really working, you could probably... That's cool. Get a Tupperware van. Yeah. But again, kind of back to the point, though, yeah. is like all these things, they show like their skills that you learn out of them, even yeah. if they're soft skills, whether it's just like that ability to, you know, talk to people and especially, you know, photo lab, some stuff would happen, right? Or so you'd have to learn how to deal with difficult people or anything Diff- like that, right? Well, and yeah, like the photo lab you're dealing with, I know a couple times I had clients who come in who were, their dad had just passed away, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I have this handful of photos I need to. Yeah, you know, make something for you know dad, and they're just I said, like, just leave it here. We we got this covered. Like, yeah, we'll make it look good. We'll, we'll honor your dad. Like, don't yeah. So, and that was skills I had to teach. Like, we had I had like staff who was like fourteen working for me at that point. That you know, teach them the skills. Like, this is how you have to be empathetic because you yeah. know. Or we had exciting moments where like I remember once somebody brought me they'd taken pictures of their premature baby that was like the size of a whopper. They had like they were holding a whopper in their baby in their two yeah. hands. So, and then, like, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not so I should be laughing, but like. <laughs> like, it was great ideas to be like, hey, our kid's a preemie. Let's get a whopper. <laughs> oh, okay, God. All right, so yeah, so you yeah, have to do yeah. stuff like that. You right? have to do stuff with like that, but the cool thing is, like, I remember seeing that kid's like first day of school photos and stuff. Yeah, years later too. So you were interacting with our customers throughout their kind of kind of their highs and lows because that's when you take pictures is yep. of their highs and lows of their life. And I think those skills of being empathetic and being able to connect with people where they're at or i mean that helps you now right especially with the, the people you work with or even when you were in your role uh, like when you're at the your, the nonprofit, right and you're yeah. you're dealing with people like having like people being laid yeah. off or people who've who, maybe who worked for 30 trip. years right and it's just being told like it's and there's like there's soft skills you have to have to be able to communicate and yeah i think the, the empathy, empathy right the empathy i think also just the having the courage to go after some opportunities, right? Yep. Like there was times that, yeah, like being in the, I was able to take advantage of opportunities just because I'm like, well, there's no, you know, no fear if we, the worst they're going to say is no, let's just yeah. try this and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you know, it went well. Sometimes, yeah. Like we, you know, you know, failed kind of miserably at things, but they, yeah. it was those taking those chances to, um, Still laughing and yeah, I know. It's, it's like <laughs> if people I'm just chill, tune in now. They'll just be like, "Is he crying?" <laughs> no, I'm still laughing. About our, you know, the, yeah, the, no, no, the, I'm, the, I, I, I agree. I, I knew, I know it was tears from laughing. Um, but no, those, I think those skills helped with it. And like, even to be able to connect with people, like I've always connected with people, be it like you know, throughout the career, like pizza, the Godfathers, to Photo Lab, yeah. to even now what I do now, yeah. like it's. I think there's something important of being able to work with, with people, right? It's that idea of like that human interaction. It's like, you know, that you can get jobs where there's zero human interaction, but most of the jobs that like, especially in our kind of field, like it's human to human contact, right? You're gonna have to figure out how to work with people, talk to people, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's that work to, with people, and it's also the being not afraid to adapt your thing. Like when I came to the center two years ago, like I yep. had at that point been working for six or seven years in the career field. So I had a pretty good practice and knew what I was doing, Yeah, but being open to looking at how do I readjust? Like the, I know we talked about the guiding circles thing. That was something I, we added into my repertoire, but it almost took me, had to re refigure out how to do the work I do and not be afraid to like, okay, let's readjust. Let's figure out how to make it health, how to make things. Yeah. What, so, you know, you've had experience of working elsewhere in the same career consultant, all those various forms, and then here. What has excited you the most about working at the center? Like, is it, have you feel like there's more freedom, more opportunity, or is it like, like you said, you're kind of, you're eight, I guess maybe almost like freedom to create. Like, what, what, what is, what is your favorite part of your role and what you're doing or I, able to do? I think like the, like the day-to-day -day thing I love is when we can sit down and have a conversation about like where you want to go in your career, what do you want to do in your future? Like I was talking with a student today just about like they're looking and doing some changing of their, what program they're taking. Right. And, yep. and kind of encouraging them, empowering them to look at what possibilities could be there. Like that's the fun. Like I love those conversations when like when people get kind of real quiet when they're talking to you, like, they're like, okay, like I don't tell 
anybody about this like kind of hope or dream I was hoping to do. But like what I really would like to do is this. Yep. I love having that conversation with students and then saying like, yeah, you can do it. There's like, let's figure it out. Maybe it's, mm-hmm. maybe it's breaking it like a couple of steps. Maybe you gotta go to education. Maybe I go get some experience, but I love connecting on those moments when students are like kind of believing that they can actually do go above and beyond, do the things that they want to do. Like the, so that's kind of the fun moment. And what I like about the, the center is I, I, I like where guys kind of talking about what we're going to do with the, the plan. And I, I feel like we're, like I was talking to him this morning about something that we're planning on doing in a couple of years from now, they, he sees the big picture of where we're going. Like he can gives the space for us to kind of work and develop in that. So like develop, I can develop programming that will lead into that thing three years from now and like talk to our employer relationships that we have. Like I love that we have, I can just call employers. Like we had our CMP in yesterday, right? And they, mm-hmm. you know, and she just sat and just talked to a student and she was okay with that. It was just, you know, one student because she that was investing in kind of building, and she gets where we're going with the. You know, it's not about the the volume of people; it's about how do we make those quality connections and move people forward in their career journey. So, um, no, those are the things I get excited about. Like when I go home and say, "Yeah, today was a kick ass day. Like, yeah. I I got to do this." Like, yeah, and as all jobs, like yeah, days I do paperwork, I'm like I go home like, <clears throat> yay, I got to work on an excel sheet all day nothing against excel but you know yep that's not what i I get excited about those interactions with people that's what i awesome um yeah man i think that's awesome thanks for sharing today i really appreciate it oh before you go uh yeah so this is kind of like a little side story i'll let brian kind of interject at point but i remember at one point in time like (laughs) we were on the road and then there was in between and we're trying to figure out the next thing and then Brian was just like, hey, what's he up to? And he's like, just won the lottery. And he texts me. And I'm like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I was like, huh? And he sent me the art. And I'll let you just kind of share so, the story. So, yeah, a couple of years ago, um, there was 25 of us at the college who bought uh, hospital lottery tickets. And yeah. we, we won the, the dream home. So yeah. we had won between us a, a million dollars. And it was funny because that night, like when I – I was literally watching on the news, like showing dad, like here, here's, here we are, you know, at the dream home. Like, yeah. Right. And, and Dan just texted me because I think the weather was bad. He's like, how's it going and whatnot. I'm like, yeah. like guy, I just won the lottery like four hours ago. What do you mean? How's it going? Yeah. And I was and, like, what? And then I sent him a link and he's like, well, that's awesome. And like, yeah. he's like, well, congrats. I was pretty, uh, I was pretty pissed off though that he never included me in to be in, his, in the group, but oh, well, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. But. But like even from that group, I know there's like a special person in it that you've have a special connection to. And yeah, like my um my friend Karen at the time, yep. um she she kind of organized the whole group and got us all together to do it. And um yeah, I know she like she passed away last year with pancreatic cancer, and so through that she you know was able to kind of experience some of the what we the hospital services that they could offer and yeah um help with that. And so no, that was kind of cool that she was. Like, I know it sucked that she passed away, but cool that she kind of could, could still contribute to the hospital thing. Like even, like, I know yeah. we did a video, a promo video for the Dream Home before, like, just yeah. as she was. Uh, so that was kind of a cool experience. And, yeah, like, I, yeah. I know I. But she was almost like your Yoda, too, right? She, she would, yeah, she would be my Yoda. Like, she, she taught me about how to, like, deliver workshops. And, like, one of the things I know we had to work on was there was a certain style of delivery I did because of just you know 
we had to break out of my like I had this like real w- wicked thing I do with my hands when I was talking when I was working like workshop facilitating. So we had to like kind of purposely yeah. break, teach you to keep your hands, keep the hands, and it was just kind of yeah. change some of the like the way I was just kind of enunciating and bringing out stuff because it just kind of. I remember her saying like, at, at my age, it almost sounded condescending when I was like, kind of thirty and like delivering this but it was just the way i learned how to deliver in kind of a profound like a, in a manner that kind of yeah. sounded more profound like almost like captain kirk with like the delays and stuff but like yeah no it was kind of cool having that experience talking to her like and having her help me with that and like i actually kind of um yeah she left me some stuff when she, she had passed away so i've been actually going through that in the last couple of weeks that have yeah. like um icebreakers and activities to use in workshops so like just kind of it's fun. We've got a couple students in the center now who asked me, like, they want to learn how to do workshops. So I've been showing them, like, hey, here's how you, you know, design things. Here's how you use yeah. the icebreakers. And it's interesting because, like, I can hear, you know, my friend Karen's voice, what she was saying to me. Like, kind of like, okay, well, teach them the same kind of skills, right? It's how do you connect with people, right? So that was kind of a, yeah. And so it was kind of cool that we won the lottery with her and, and yeah. stuff, but. Yeah, but I she felt, also taught you a lot about life. Oh, she taught me know about this career and yeah, like, what to do. Yeah, taught me lots about the career and taught me like how to. And so I think she yeah acted as a mentor, kind of in that first, yeah. in my early parts of my career here at Fanshawe yeah. and stuff. That and I think if anything else to say about like finding a mentor. Yeah, that's you, that's why field. I kind of let it there. I know yeah. I, I appreciate you even sharing about Karen and you know how and I appreciate Karen. I I actually never met her, but I just appreciated how you know she instilled all these things for you because I love work for you. I, I, and that's like even how when we were the job came available, it was like me and you were like on this weird of like we might think it's like we couldn't tell like I knew you were getting hired, you knew you were getting hired, but like. Because of things we weren't sure if we were able to share with each other and stuff, but uh, yeah, she she instilled a lot of things with you. But but that idea what you just said right now is like mentored, like just be open to whoever you may you don't even know who the mentor may be, right? Yeah, like be open to those mentors. I know one piece of advice she gave me before I started the job was she said to kind of almost think of it like a she kind of like showed me as like a heartbeat on her desk, but said like you need to think of the pace of what you're doing as like a, a heartbeat. She said, you're so excited about this job that she said, but you need to go slow into this. Don't rush it. Take your time because she said, you'll let this grow. This will be a, a good experience. But mm-hmm. so she, I think that was just kind of the, one of her advice that she'd given to me as I was starting this was just yeah. ease into it. You'll be fine. Just trust the process. And Well said. All right, I think that's uh, I think that's it for the week. I appreciate you coming in, bro. I really appreciate you sharing about your your journey and your life story. And I shared a lot last week today. And uh, um, yeah, shout out to you know, thank you, Karen, for all that you've done. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, take care.